Hi, I'm Maria Thea Harris or VeloSos, and you're listening to So Over 50 Thursday on So Organised Style Podcast. Stay listening. So Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Thanks again for joining us on So Over 50 Thursday on So Organised Style Podcast. We've had Maria Yap on the podcast before for So Over 50 and today she's back because we want to get a little bit more into her creative process behind her endless combination entry that she had for Pattern Review in November. Maria, thanks for coming back onto So Organised Style Podcast. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be back here. I had so much fun the last time, so I'm happy to be back and chat with you again. The last podcast that we did together, I mentioned the Endless Combination competition that you're part of in Pattern Review. I'm really pleased that you're able to come back and talk us through your creative process in more detail today. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about the creative process the last time we talked about it. And this time, I'm glad that I'd be able to expound more on the thought process behind it. And I'd like to just share it from the viewpoint of someone like a layperson, because I never had formal education in fashion design or things like that. So hopefully this will be like something that the people whose sewing is more of a hobby, this topic will be interesting or helpful. Yeah, that'd be good. For someone who hasn't had any design experience, how you can be creative with skill set and the ideas that you already have in mind. Yeah, precisely. For me, it always starts with the fabric. A lot of times I purchase fabrics with no definite project in mind. I'm sure you can relate to that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So I'm more like an emotional buyer. I fall in love with a fabric. I buy it as long as the price, of course, is reasonable. And most of the time, I don't have any idea what to do with it. I just need to have it <laughs> and add it to my stash. So when it's time to sew, I take a look at the fabric. And the first thing I consider is, what is the fabric made of? In other words, what kind of fabric is it? Is it better suited as a dress, as a top, a bottom, or an outerwear? Now comes the creative part. Do I let the type of fabric dictate what I should make or do I make the fabric work for the specific garment that I want to make? Let's take an example of the quilting cotton I bought this year. And that quilting cotton was more of a, a lightweight fabric, more suitable for maybe a top, but I wanted to make a skirt out of it. I underlined it with a fusible medium woven interfacing to change the hand of the fabric and make it more substantial and suitable for a skirt. So in essence, I made the fabric work for what I wanted it to be. And I used the, for this example, I used Butterwick 5566. It's a skirt pattern. And I also added a lining to it in addition to the underlining. I've used that trick many times and so far it has always worked for me. So the original fabric was quite light. And so mm -hmm. you've added the lining and also the underlining. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. To give it the weight that you wanted for the skirt. Yes. Okay. So in essence, it's con- like changing it from a lightweight to maybe a medium weight fabric that would be more suitable for a skirt. Yeah. So that's something to keep in mind. For example, you have a fabric that you think will not work for what you thought you wanted it to be. You should just not stop there and give up. I mean, try to do something about it to make it work for what you want it to be. And next thing to consider is the fabric's design. Is it printed or solid? I like to pair solid fabrics with sewing patterns that have interesting design details like pleats, darts, gathers, knots or bows and stuff like that. If you use those patterns with those features and pair them with printed fabrics, those design details sometimes tend to get lost in the print of the fabric. So choosing a solid fabric to use with those kinds of pattern works better. And as an example, I used the Style Art Madeline Ponty Top. That one featured a um, pleat on the front. And then another one that featured some pleats on one side was the Butterick 5672 Ponty Dress. And one of my favorites is the Sato Watanabe Pleated Linen Blouse. The pattern is in one of his books for basic black, and it's supposed to be a dress pattern that I converted into a top by just, you know, cutting it short. But the nice feature about this is like there are darts all over the front and the darts are outside on the right side of the fabric and not on the inside. And they work as design details and they work perfectly with a solid linen fabric. And finally, another one is the Vogue 1177 linen dress. And that one's chock full of features like pleats, some princess seams, and a lot of gathers, simple, basic lines. They won't be obvious if I used some fabric that's not solid, printed fabric. So that one I paired with a solid pink linen fabric. Choosing a solid fabric for that dress, which had all those design lines, was the perfect solution. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, those uh, folds and pleats would disappear. So, yeah, so it's important to try to think what patterns work better for the design of your fabric. Yeah. Now, when it comes to printed fabric, the type of print usually becomes my guide. You know, there are prints that have uniformity or symmetry to them, like stripes or plaids. With this type of prints, I love to play with the placement of the stripe or the plaids. I know a lot of people like to match everything perfectly, you know, when it comes to stripes or plaids. I do too when it comes to the seam lines, because, you know, you know, that's the mark would so is right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah well I don't know if you do it like when you see an RTW pair of pants in plaid oh I look at the side seams and see oh they're not matching the side seams <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes you see it as a mark of a good sewist or a good project if those seam lines are matched but when it comes to other aspects of the pattern I mean I don't always match it when the pattern or the garment has pockets and I use a plaid fabric. I prefer the pocket to stand out so I don't match it perfectly. I know some people prefer to match it perfectly with the pocket. So the, in essence, the pocket disappears yeah. in the plaid fabric. 
So that's one thing to consider. You cut the plaid fabric on the bias and then put it on the garment. And an example is the blazer I made. It's out of houndstooth wool. Mm. And in that one, I played around with the princess seams, the side pieces rather than the the side pieces were cut on the bias. So they sort of form a contrast to the rest of the the main fabric, the front and the back. And then it also had a welt pocket. And I also cut that on the bias so you can see where the welt pocket is. Especially with the amount of work that you put into a welt pocket, you have to see that work. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Now for other prints, like those that are not symmetrical, for example, the Japanese fabric, the Nani Iro, I'm a big fan of those fabrics. And most of those Nani Iro designs have no symmetry to them. It's like a usually big, an artwork or painting. And in those cases, I let the fabric design shine on its own. And to do that, I choose simple patterns, you know, with simple lines. So an example is the Simplicity 1366 top that I made using the Nani Iro fabric. For that one, I ignored the grain lines when cutting them because I wanted to show off the different aspects of the fabric design itself. Since the fabric didn't have any stretch, so it didn't really matter if I cut some of them along the lengthwise or the crosswise grain. And it, it kind of worked. <laughs> oh, it did work. It worked really well. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's one of my favorites so far for the 90-year-old garments that I made. Now, another important aspect of the creative process is the collar. I know the safest way to do it is through the collar wheel, but to be honest, I really never use the collar wheel. <laughs> I know there are several combinations you can use, you, you know, choose ones that are on opposite sides of the wheel or those that are side by side to make sure that they will work. I often take my cues from nature, like sometimes we'd be driving along the road in our neighborhood. There were lots of trees during the spring. I would see the purple flowers blooming. And then you see, oh, the purple flowers look so good with the brown branches and trunks. So there's no reason why such a color combination won't work with our own clothes. So I try to keep my eyes open and to nature and see what works. And that's the way I take my cues from nature when it comes to combining colors for my sewing. That's a really good idea. Now, another way to add some creative touches is through the notions that we use. For example, when a pattern calls for some buttons, you know, I take that as an opportunity to select some fun buttons to highlight. In my one of my recently made tops, a part of the endless combination was the style art bonnie top. That one, there were buttons on the back. And I took my time trying to search for, you know, buttons that would coordinate with the design on the fabric itself, not just with the color, but with the shape of the button. And I was lucky enough to find those perfect buttons from an online store. So I was happy about how it turned out. It was so much fun. The result was like a fun garment. Yeah, you would have taken so much time trying to find the right buttons online, but at least you wouldn't have been driving from shop to shop. You could just do it at your laptop or on your iPad. Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 And it's easier that I think I find it easier that way than 
going to the store and searching for all those buttons. Yeah. Well, it's not just buttons, though. I like playing around with the zippers, too. Hmm. I like sometimes when a pattern calls, for example, a top, the Simplicity 8264 lace top. Hmm. That one actually didn't call for an exposed zipper at the back, but I decided to make it an exposed zipper because I had a very nice rose gold metallic zipper to use. And so it became a part of of the design for that top. Rose gold is something that's out there at the moment and is trending. So that would have been a really fun way of making sure that it was as much a part of the design of the top as it was for the function of the top. Yeah, that's true. Both functional and it's a design detail at the same time. And finally, when it comes to the inside of the garment, you can still show your creativity, like with the finishing touches, like a Hong Kong finish. In one of the coats I used uh, for Vogue 1571, it's a a mustard-colored boiled wool coat. It's solid and it's unlined. So it called for a Hong Kong finish for the inside. And for that one, I used a contrasting black and white polka dot fabric. And even though nobody will see the inside, it feels good to know that your garment is pretty on the inside as well as on the outside. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh And I think that's it for my creative process. Those are the usual things that I go through when I try to make a garment or sew some items in a wardrobe collection. One of the most recent jumpsuits that I made was kind of along the lines that you mentioned. So I made the Alison Co. Intrepid Boiler Suit. Now that one's got a lot of pocket details and it's got a defined waist, but I used an all-over print because I was checking on how it fit me and how it felt to wear. So when you see it, it's really bright and it's got lots of color. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of hidden the fact that it's got a lot of detail, but the next time I make it, I'll make it in a plain color so that you can Mm -hmm. see the detail and that it fits really well. But I just kind of hid it using the all over print this time. Well, yeah, that's a good idea too, like using an all over print, you know, to, you know, if you're not sure about how it will look like. And that's true. When you use a solid, you can see everything, right? Yeah. Not just the details, but all the, you know, the fit details, you also, they'll be obvious. (laughs) Yeah. But I think the next time I make it, I'll use a gauze fabric, a single gauze. The other person I know online who does a lot of jumpsuits is Jen Lee of Jen Lee Tees Creatives. She's really into florals and jumpsuits. Yeah, so I follow her lead. Yeah, that's one of the things I want to sew, like uh, a jumpsuit, but I'm always scared like of when it comes to like when you have to go to the bathroom. Yes, yes. <laughs> the part where you have to change quick <laughs> and put it on. That's the one that scares me. Yeah. That's very true and making sure that when you fit the jumpsuit that you have a lot of wiggle room Mm. because it's an all-over piece. It's not just a top and pants. And then if you like the look of a jumpsuit but you don't actually want to make one, there's no reason why you can't do a top and pants in the same fabric. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to have that look. 
Yeah, so it's like a faux jumpsuit, right? Like yeah, the look of a jumpsuit. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, jumpsuits are pretty flattering. Can make you look either taller uh, because it's uh, like a single silhouette, right? Yeah. So some of the things I do is I'll I'll have a print which is all over that you focus on the print, not focus on the person who's wearing it, which is me. So it kind uh, of it hides me, which is fine. I'm fine with that. Okay. <laughs> And then if I want it to be really super special, then I'll use a plain fabric, but make sure that it fits well. Mm -hmm. For our listeners, what advice would you give them when they're thinking about adding more creativity to their sewing projects? Now, this is, as I've mentioned, I'm speaking from the point of view of a home sewist who has no fashion design experience. So from my own experience, So you start with the pattern and then once you've nailed down the fit of the pattern and make it work for you, then that's the time to focus also on the design details of the pattern. Try to not be limited to what the pattern tells you to do. Don't be afraid to add your own personal touches to a specific pattern. For instance, if a pattern is a simple for a simple top, you don't have to be limited to what the pattern tells you. Like for for example, with when it comes to neckline finishing, if they tell you just to use a binding, don't be afraid to try and put a, you know, a contrast binding. You think if it will look good or add some piping. I've done that several times before, like inserting a piping in between a binding mm. uh, of a neckline. Or you can also do that along other seam lines, adding trims and small details. So I think you should try not to be limited to what the pattern tells you to do. That's good advice. Marie, thank you for coming back on to Style podcast and sharing what you've learned as a home sewist. Be more creative with the fabric that you love to buy and then... <laughs> figure out how to use it for garments that you really enjoy wearing. Thank you for having me and letting me share some of my thoughts with, with you and my fellow sobists. I wish you all the best for 2021. And Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you too. And have a lovely day, listeners. This episode of Soul Organised Style Podcast for So Over 50 was produced by me, Maria Thea Harris with permission of Maria Yap, sound by bensound.com. You can subscribe to Sew Organised Style Podcast, spelled with an S, not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and from all good podcast apps. Post any questions or podcast suggestions you have on our website at seworganisedstylepodcast.com or on Sew Organised Style Instagram account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.